as you strengthen your relationship with yourself and you practice liking yourself no matter what, your true desires come to the surface. Confidence doesn't just mean feeling good and strong and powerful all the time, although that's the awesome part of it that we love. It also means being able to navigate and recover from feeling not good and not strong and not powerful. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jess. I am the host and creator of this podcast. I'm a coach for women in the nine to five space and pretty much everything I do on this show and in my coaching work and in all of the podcasts and things that I create. It's all about helping women feel strong and powerful and learn to trust themselves and move past their doubts so that they can find their voice at work, emerge as powerful leaders, and build a career that is both very enjoyable and satisfying and very ambitious and that really satiates their desire to accomplish big things. That is what I am here for. And today is part two of my 10 lessons on confidence from 2021. So if you listen to part one, you already know that this two-part episode, end of season five finale, was inspired by an email that I sent to, I, I sent a newsletter out last year. It was an email with my 10 learnings from 2020. And I got such a beautiful, positive response to that email that I decided to make that a yearly thing. So I'm writing another email on my 10 lessons from 2021 that I'm going to be sending out. And because these lessons are so rich and juicy and rife with insights and learnings, I wanted to make this a podcast episode so I could really dive deep and talk about them. And so that's what I'm doing. And so in part one, I covered the first five lessons. And here in part two, I'm covering the second five lessons. And I wanted this to be unscripted, more raw. So I haven't planned what I'm going to say. I just want to see what comes up. And I want to really just share from the heart. A lot of these lessons are lessons from my own personal growth journey. And so I'm kind of getting a little more personal in a way, but ultimately trying to package it in a way that is really actionable and digestible for you so that you can hear these things and figure out how you might want to shift your perspective and you might want to change and evolve in your own journey of building confidence. I am very much looking forward to diving into these. And if you want to be receiving my newsletters, I'm going to drop a link in the show notes where you can sign up and add yourself to the list. 
I send a newsletter pretty much once a week. It's usually um, either a piece of career advice, something inspirational, reflections. It's all around really elevating to the next level in your career and finding your voice at work. So very similar content to the podcast. So I will link that below if you want to add yourself to the list. And depending on when you add yourself, you'll probably get the email with the 10 lessons on confidence from 2021. So some of what you see in that one will probably look familiar to you because I'm going to be sharing these episodes in email form. Okay, I'm so excited to get into this. I'm going to read the full list of 10 and then deep dive on the second five. So here we go. My 10 lessons on confidence from 2021. Number one, kindness is king. Number two, make room. Number three, the fastest way to grow is one small step at a time. Number four, learn your self-defeating patterns so you can interrupt them. Number five, tell on yourself. Number six, if you let it be messy, you'll grow way faster. Number seven, if you're willing to feel scared, icky, weird, awkward, or uncomfortable, you'll deepen the quality of the confidence that you build. Number eight, (laughs) number seven's a long one. Number eight, every day practice being more of you. Number nine, decide it's enough and keep playing. Number 10, like yourself either way. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so excited to dig into these because they have so much meaning for me. And I have experienced such massive growth in my confidence in the last year. And so I'm already getting excited to share some of this with you. And my own confidence journey is an ongoing journey. I'm never done. I'm never like, yep, now I'm confident because I have a human brain just like you have a human brain and it's always going to generate fear and it's it's oh, there're always going to be things that feel hard no matter what. So I view confidence building as never being complete. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get to like these stage gates. It kind of reminds me of I don't know if you've read those novels about people climbing Mount Everest or if you're familiar with mountain climbing, but like they climb and then they rest and they climb and then they rest, right? So I sort of think of like those resting points. I don't even know what they're called, but I think of us as having those in our confidence building journey. We're probably always climbing the mountain. There's probably never an actual top. But we do get to these places where we're like, oh, dang, that thing that I used to be really scared of feels really good. Or like that meeting that used to feel awful feels kind of fun. And so you do get to these really gratifying points where you can see the change. And the beautiful thing is, once you've arrived at that gratifying point, then you can look at what's next. You can look at the part of the mountain that seemed way too far away and way too scary to climb when you were all the way at the bottom. And this is so much fun for me to watch with the clients I support, especially my clients who work with me longer term. I have many clients who, you know, we've done our four to six month coaching engagement and we continued working together even after it was complete. Because when you sort of have that baseline foundation of confidence, then you really start to open up to see what else is possible for you. And you start to see all of these additional possibilities that maybe felt too far off when you were just beginning your confidence building journey. And you get to reach for those bigger things, the the things that seemed too crazy. And I love watching this happen with my clients. I love watching them go for something that I know they would have been totally closed off to at the beginning of our work together. But by the time they've experienced enough change, they start wanting more. 
their desires deepen because they begin to expand the realm of what they see as possible for themselves. And this gets me feeling jazzed and excited and smiley and tingly because so much of like my very heart and soul driven mission behind this show was to help women tap into that feeling of limitlessness, that feeling of infinite possibility, because I believe it's something that we all possess inside of us. And I think as women, we possess a really special version of that. And helping you connect with that, helping my clients connect with that, it just makes me so joyful because your entire life, your entire career can change. And you can find yourself sitting in a situation that felt impossible to you maybe 6, 12, 18 months earlier. And that process is just magical and remarkable. And sometimes for me, it's not even about the result, like whether the result is a career change, a promotion, or just like feeling super confident and badass in meeting rooms that used to feel scary. Like whatever the result is, for me, the real magic is in who you became on the way to get that result. You're such a different version of yourself. You're a version of yourself who has so much more capacity to dream big and take up space. And that makes me so happy. And I have officially gone on a tangent. So it is time to refocus. And we're going to be starting with number six on my list, which is if you let it be messy, you'll grow way faster. Now, listen, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a big streak in my personality that is type A, very controlling. I want to predict everything. I want to know how it's going to go. And I know (laughs) that a lot of you are that way too, right? Which makes sense. Obviously, my creative work and my podcast and my content, the women who are drawn to it often share a lot of inner traits with me. And so when I speak to you on this one, letting it be messy, just know that I'm also speaking to me. I'm not counting myself out of this, right? But us perfectionists, us type A women, us women who are a little controlling, we don't like to get messy. And in fact, we're really bad at getting messy. We like to predict things. We want to know how it's going to look. And we don't want to experience the messiness of what I call a flop. A flop is a failure. It's when you say something in a meeting and you get crickets, or you're in a job interview and you say something super awkward, or you're in a job interview and then you don't get the job. A flop is a failure. It's just my word that I use instead of failure. It comes from the performing world, the theater world, the comedy world, where a flop is like where you try to make a joke or make the audience laugh and no one laughs. And the flop is where you actually find your power and your confidence. And so that concept has really resonated with me. But so many of us are so scared of the flop. We are so scared of failing that we rob ourselves of the opportunity to build confidence because just like in theater, you cannot become a good stand-up comic or a good entertainer if you're never willing to fail. You've got to go out there and get in front of audiences and fail so that you can learn to be that stand-up comic who gets in front of the giant amphitheater filled with fans and makes that entire room full of fans and people laugh. There's no other path to get there. And the same is true for confidence. 
the people who have really excellent results in a nine to five space, the people who become leaders, the people who have really big impact, they're not afraid to be messy in the conversation. They're not afraid to throw things out there or suggest things or try things or try a new way. Now, there's a difference because I know a lot of you are probably thinking, but Jessica, I need to sound polished. I need to do good executive communication, right? Like I don't want to sound like a mess in those meetings. There's a difference between willing to get messy in your innovation in how disruptive you're willing to be in the name of getting a better result at work versus just pure messiness and confusing people. And so when I say if you let it be messy, I'm not talking about like being messy and confusing people and not making sense. I'm talking about being messy in your willingness to take risks your willingness to share something different, your willingness to speak in the meeting that is all very senior people and you're the one junior person in the in the meeting. The messiness is in your willingness to step over that line not knowing how it's going to go. And most, honestly, most of the messiness is just how you feel. Most of the time when something feels scary and messy, and even most of the time where you have a flop and you throw out a suggestion and your boss says that's not going to work, all, all of those times where you fail or it feels scary or it feels messy, the mess isn't happening outside of you. The mess is just all of the hard emotions that you have to process, right? You might feel rejected. You might feel embarrassed, like you embarrassed yourself. You might feel ashamed. You might feel regretful. That's the part that's messy. But if you're willing to experience that mess and go into that mess and say, like, I can handle a little bit of a bounce back, right? Like in Bryn Drescher's interview, oh, I love her. She's amazing. She talks about the bounce. That is a genius concept, right? Like the bounce back. And if you're willing to bounce back from something that feels messy, if you're willing to take a risk, if you're willing to do it slightly imperfectly and feel the discomfort of doing that imperfectly, the results you get are going to get better. Your confidence is going to grow faster. And you're going to see how much power you actually have that you didn't even think you had. Here's a really good example of this. Something that I see a lot is when people want to change roles, go for a promotion, apply for jobs out in the job market. Literally nothing is stopping you from sending a resume and a cover letter for a job that's maybe a stretch. Like there's literally all you have to go all you have to do is upload your documents. And yet people people think in their heads, "Oh, I can't do that. I can't apply for that job." And the only reason they can't is because of the messiness that they feel inside as they go closer to that. But if you don't make the messiness a problem, if you're willing to go towards the messiness, you can start applying for those jobs. And guess what? The second you hit apply, no matter what happens, you're already going to feel more powerful because you just took your future into your own hands and you just showed yourself, oh, holy cow, I thought there was like some barrier to doing this. The only barrier is just for me to feel a little bit stretched and uncomfortable. And if you put out enough of those applications for enough amount of time and you put enough focus and dedication, you will eventually land that role might take time. You might have to learn a new skill or build new relationships or whatever it is, right? But it's all possible for you. And if you're willing to get messy, if you're willing to take a risk, if you're willing to stretch yourself out of your comfort zone, your confidence will transform so quickly. And let me tell you, the people who elevate quite a lot in a corporate environment, a lot of them were willing to get very messy in service of their own growth and in service of them elevating within the organization. 
Again, that doesn't mean they might not look polished on the outside, but they had to get messy on the inside, right? And they had to be brave and be courageous and take big leaps. So that is number six. As you can tell, I feel so passionately about this one. And that's because this has been my own growth too, to teach myself that if I'm willing to let it be messy, I will grow way faster. And I am so bought into this. Maybe if I had looked at that statement like a year ago or definitely two years ago, I would have been like, no, there's a way to grow without getting messy. Now I'm like, oh, hell no. Like I want to get messy because I know that what's on the other side of this is me having the inner strength and like the guts that I actually desire to have. So that is number six. If you let it be messy, you'll grow way faster. Number seven, this is the long one. This pairs really well with number six. If you're willing to feel scared, icky, weird, awkward, and uncomfortable, you'll deepen the quality of your confidence. So I think something that people underestimate when it comes to building confidence is the importance of emotional resilience. The way that I define emotional resilience is your ability to experience and bounce back from an un pleasant emotion. Confidence doesn't just mean feeling good and strong and powerful all the time, although that's the awesome part of it that we love. It also means being able to navigate and recover from feeling not good and not strong and not powerful. That is the difference between what I call confidence 1.0 and confidence 2.0. And if you listen to this six-part series that I did over the summer on confidence, I dive really deep into this idea in in an episode called Confidence 1.0 versus Confidence 2.0. But Confidence 1.0 is about feeling good and solid and taking action from that place. But Confidence 2.0 is when your confidence includes the ability to move towards something hard that isn't going to feel good and to move towards it anyway. And this is where I see a lot of people get stuck because they think that to become confident means to feel good all the time. And then every time they feel crappy, they don't feel confident, they have a failure, they think something is wrong with them. And they think that confidence like doesn't quote unquote work for them because they're having this bad feeling. But really what they're not realizing is that you will always have bad feelings. You will never get to a point where you feel good all the time, right? Sure, some of the things that used to feel hard and bad will no longer feel hard and bad once you've conquered those things and built a lot of confidence around those things. But then there will be new, bigger things that will feel hard and bad, just like I was saying before about how I'm never gonna be done building confidence. Same is probably true for you. And so what we inevitably need to include in our definition of confidence, if we want to be able to, you know, expand continuously into bigger and bigger things, is the willingness to feel harder emotions, to learn to navigate them, and to learn to bounce back from them. And to be totally honest with you, that is at the core of so much of the work that I do. I think people sometimes come into personal growth and coaching and these spaces thinking 
that they're there to like learn all this information. But what you're really here to do, if you're wanting to become bold and strong and badass and confident, what you're really here to do is to learn how to better navigate and recover from difficult emotions. I really want you to think of any place in your career where you feel stuck. Ask yourself, If feeling unpleasant emotions, you consider that a positive thing and something that you were trying to do as much as possible, would you still feel stuck in that area? Probably not. So much of our stuckness comes from us anticipating how hard something is going to feel. That's why a lot of people don't go for the promotion, don't go for the thing they want, because they are scared of what it's going to feel like if it doesn't work out. But imagine if you were willing to feel whatever feeling came up in the name of pursuing your dreams, in the name of building confidence, in the name of becoming the woman that you want to become, then you would move towards things, anything, as long as you desired it, as long as your heart desired it, and you would be game for, you would be willing to feel the harder emotions. And this one isn't always fun. And this is also one where I will get pushback from clients you know, I identify with this too. I think a lot of us have a fantasy that the change that we want to achieve is going to be really easy and it should feel good all the time. And that simply isn't true. The growth and the change that we want to achieve is going to require us to weather difficult emotions. But let me tell you something. I would rather go through cycles of feeling shitty because I'm getting closer and closer to my dream and the career I want and the woman that I'm trying to become. I'd rather go through cycles of feeling shitty becoming her rather than go through cycles of feeling shitty because I'm hiding and playing small and creating a life that I don't actually, like a life and career that I don't actually enjoy, but that keeps me from feeling some of those bigger, scarier feelings like rejection, right? Like, you know, putting yourself out there for a role or a job and not getting it or speaking up in a meeting or giving a presentation when your voice is really shaky and then having to deal with the discomfort that you feel as you do that and learn to get better at it, right? So I would rather be feeling these harder feelings because I'm going out and doing the thing that I want to do to achieve the growth I want than to feel the dissatisfaction of being stuck. And so this is one of the harder truths, to be honest with you, but I think it's one of the most important ones. And so I had to put it on the list, even if it is a little bit sobering and even if it is one of the more challenging ones. But the next one's a little more uplifting. (laughs) So we're going to switch gears into positive land, which feels good for me right in this moment. I don't know. It's not that I don't love talking about negative feelings. I just feel like, I feel like it's a bubble burst. Like I feel like I'm bursting a lot of people's bubble when they realize that it's going to not feel good all the time. And part of their growth is to understand that that's actually part of it and and that's okay and that they can survive it feeling bad and get to the other side. But the plus side of that is you build emotional resilience. You stop hiding. You stop avoiding, right? Like you freaking show up for your life. So it's a complicated one. I'll probably have to talk about it more, right? As I'm sure you can tell, there's a lot here. But anyway, (laughs) on to number eight. This one makes me happy. This one makes me feel light and joyful. This one is everyday practice being more of you. And listen, this one sounds like a bumper sticker, right? Like this one hardcore sounds like a refrigerator magnet, bumper sticker, Instagram post. Every day, practice being more of you. And look, I love authenticity. And I'm not saying, like, I don't mean to degrade my own 
item on my list. But the reason why I'm pointing out that this feels like a bumper sticker is because I think a lot of people talk about authenticity. They like this idea of being more of you, being yourself. But I think people are missing this critical step of the how. How do you practice being more of you? Let me back up and walk you through the wording of this. I say everyday practice being more of you and not just be more of you, be yourself. Because learning how to be authentic, that's the hard part, right? That's like what the bumper sticker is not addressing, is the complexity behind the process. And the process of learning to be more of you happens in layers. And it happens as you learn to connect with the feeling of being genuine and self-expressed. When you are speaking as you, when you are acting and speaking from the truth of who you are, you can literally feel it in your body. This took me a long time to really understand because I've had throughout my life so many masks and pretenses in my personality and who I'm trying to be in any given situation. And it was actually through doing this podcast and talking so much about authenticity and just diving so much into this topic that I really began to tune into what it felt like when I was being me and just being myself and acting as myself and talking as myself. And it was like, I could feel this little spark in me of like, oh, like this is it. This is me being myself. I can feel it inside. It's like my heart is lit up. It's like a little bit flaming on fire. And my insides feel more alive and I feel more full of life, more vivacious. And I began to realize that authenticity is simply about feeling that feeling and getting better at feeling that feeling and getting better at practicing coming into that feeling in little teeny moments so that over time, you can come into that feeling in bigger moments for longer durations of time. But the only way that you're going to be able to be yourself in bigger moments for longer durations of time is to connect with that feeling of being you for just a few seconds, for just a teeny tiny moment so that you know what it feels like and you know what you're aiming for when it comes to you being more authentic. And so that's why I say everyday practice, because it's going to happen in tiny little steps, right? Maybe a coworker says, how was your weekend? And instead of like some BS answer, like you share something real and just notice, how does it feel when you're telling the truth? What is that feeling like? And that's the feeling that you're trying to bring in. And that is the feeling that makes you magnetic as a leader. It makes people want to be around you. It makes people want to work with you. It makes people want to be on your team. It makes people want to go along with what you're doing because there's so many people that are so fake in the workplace and it is so damn exhausting. If you are being real and authentic and yourself, I guarantee you, you will be a breath of fresh air. Now, that doesn't mean that you aren't thoughtful about your communication style, right? It doesn't mean that you're not 
thoughtful about the environment that you're in, but it does mean that you're trying your best to show up as you. And this will not only have a positive benefit on your career because your relationships are going to be deepened, you're going to be so magnetic as a leader, but you're going to feel so much less tired at work because so much of the exhaustion that is experienced in the workplace is a result of hiding and putting on a mask and being fake. And when you realize that you can just marry your actual personality with how you show up as a leader at work, it blows open this passageway in your brain and you're like, wait, I don't need to be like a fake robot weirdo. I can just be myself. And you can. And listen, I think as you get to higher levels of leadership, I think you got to show that you can deliver really good results while being yourself. So like, for example, part of my personality is like being really playful and making jokes and whatever. And I feel like in some ways, I can get away with that because I'm doing really good work, right? So I'm not just like coming off as like some clown or whatever. But the more that you can infuse yourself into what you do, the more in integrity you're going to feel inside. Your management style is going to feel a lot more fluid and organic and genuine to you. And you're going to feel less exhausted day to day. Now, here is one little warning that I'm going to just give you from personal experience and just what I've observed. The more you get in touch with your authentic self, the harder it's going to be for you to be in a work environment that's not a good fit for you and kind of like lie to yourself and pretend like you like it. So the more authentic you become, I think the harder it gets to lie to yourself and the more demanding you will be about the type of work you want to do and the type of career you want to build. But I think that's a good thing because what that means is that you're going to be quicker to leave situations that are kind of BS according to your value system and move into places and career paths and roles where you can be you. Like, what is better than that? What is better than being able to show up at work, be yourself, have fun, feel alive inside, right? Like, it's totally, it's totally worth doing the self-exploration and it's totally worth being honest with yourself about what kind of environment you are able to do that and you are able to thrive in. So that is number eight, the bumper sticker, everyday practice being more of you. Number nine, I love this one. This one's also a really big learning that I'm in process of integrating and this one is so juicy and valuable. Number nine is decide it's enough and keep playing. So what do I mean by this? As you are building confidence, as you are on this journey of becoming that next version of you, your brain is going to want to tell you that it's not enough. You're not doing enough. You're not growing fast enough. You're not succeeding enough. It's not enough. In order for you to stay in the growth game and stay in the confidence game long enough to actually see change and actually see results, you are going to have to be onto your brain when it tries to get you to give up or when it drains your energy by telling you that it's not enough, right? We do this so often. We accomplish something we think of the reasons why it's it's not enough. Something positive happens, we think of reasons why it's not enough. Maybe we struggle with something. We focus on how it's not enough. We don't focus on the things that went well. We don't focus on the learnings. We always tend to go back to where it's not enough. 
Your work is to decide it's enough. The pace is enough. What you were able to deliver in that meeting is enough. Deliberately choose a story of enoughness so your brain doesn't suck you into this story of inadequacy that will weigh you down and slow you down so much. Now, the important thing about number nine is I didn't just say decide it's enough. I said decide it's enough and keep playing. What I mean by that is keep playing the confidence game. What I did in that meeting was enough. Yes, it didn't go the way that I wanted, but I'm deciding it's enough and I'm going to keep playing, which means what am I going to do differently in the next meeting? We have to be able to hold that what we've done to date up until this moment has been perfectly enough, but we're still in the game. We're still playing and we still get to tweak and refine and change direction. I think it's so important to find enoughness in what has happened in the past, in our struggles, in our successes, because I think that when we aren't able to find that, we come at our future growth from this place of trying to fill a hole, trying to achieve this elusive sense of enoughness that we're never going to achieve. It's always enough and we always get to keep playing. It's like breaking a world record and then deciding you want to set another record, right? Was that first record not enough? I don't know. I mean, what kind of question is that? But are you going to keep trying to get a better record because that feels super fun and motivating? Heck yeah, right? So wherever you are, whatever you've accomplished to date, I hear from a lot of women who listen to the podcast who feel like they haven't grown enough. Just decide it's enough and keep playing. Ask yourself what tweak and what adjustment you want to make next to stay in the game and keep growing your confidence. I love this one so much. This is a huge growth area for me personally. My brain really loves not enoughness. It really loves inadequacy. It really loves lack. And so much of my own work has been to come back to how it is truly enough. And when you get better at thinking that it's enough, like side note, you will probably start to feel way more empowered around your workload and around how much value you should be delivering in your role. Because when you're approaching your workload and your role and what you're expecting yourself to deliver from a place of not enoughness, you may find yourself in an endless rabbit hole of over-delivering and overworking, but not in a way that's adding a ton of extra value. So this one is just so important in so many ways, and I feel really strongly about it. And the last one, uh, number 10, this is such a beautiful one to close this out on because this comes back to a core value of mine, which is self-compassion and treating ourselves with kindness. And number 10 on my list is like yourself either way, like yourself either way. Now, I didn't use the word love yourself either way because I think that for some of us, and I can certainly speak for myself and you might relate to this too. Loving ourselves is like a big ass leap, right? Like we are over here dealing with our self-criticism, being assholes to ourselves, trying to practice doing that less because it's interfering in our lives and it's making us miserable, right? So I find that it's really helpful for me to replace the concept of self-love with liking myself. Liking to me feels gentler. It feels more approachable, whereas self-love just feels like self-love. It's so extravagant, and it feels like this far thing out in the ether (laughs) that is going to take me a while to get to. But liking myself feels doable, and it feels doable 
in the moments where I am really far away from it. So when you're feeling really crappy about yourself, for me, it's a lot easier for me to ask myself the question of how can I like myself, even though this happened, then how can I love myself? It's just, it's uh, my brain's like, no, not realistic. And so I love this saying of like yourself either way, because what this comes back to, and this is so funny and it's so circular with this list of 10 things, because number one was kindness is king. And in part one, I talked about how being kind to yourself is the ultimate tool in your confidence building toolbox. And like yourself either way is a very similar, very closely related message, which is no matter how it turns out, no matter how you performed, no matter where you're at, no matter what pace you're going at, make your goal to like yourself either way. This doesn't mean that you don't want to evolve. This doesn't mean, like I said before, you don't want to tweak and test and adjust and evaluate. But it does mean that the relationship that you develop with yourself, the way you treat yourself, the way you think about yourself, that is its own separate thing that you are strengthening and working on regardless of the outcomes you get, regardless of what you achieve. Your career achievements are separate from your relationship with yourself. And your relationship with yourself deserves to be fortified and needs to be strengthened no matter what you accomplish. And so many of us make our relationship with ourselves and how we treat ourselves contingent on our accomplishments. When we accomplish and succeed, we treat ourselves well. And when we don't succeed and we don't accomplish what we wanted, we treat ourselves poorly. And what I'm inviting you to do is to practice liking yourself either way. Practice treating yourself kindly either way. Practice making, treating yourself with dignity and respect and treating yourself like a queen. Practice making that unconditional. It doesn't mean you're going to become complacent. It doesn't mean that you're going to stop trying to grow. It means that your process of growth is going to feel lot more centered, a lot more grounded, a lot more peaceful, because it won't be driven by this frantic need to find worth and find value by achieving and doing. We can be motivated to achieve and create big, beautiful, excited things while also still being happy with who we are as humans, even when we aren't achieving those things. And I truly believe this is some of my biggest lesson to learn in my lifetime is uncoupling those things. And that's been a really challenging journey for me. But the more I try to do that, the more contentment and peace I have in my life. And I have found that my ambitions are not going away. They're not shrinking. It's not like I don't want to accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish. They just feel less charged and there's like less frantic urgency around it and more spaciousness, more room. And most importantly, too, as you strengthen your relationship with yourself and you practice liking yourself no matter what, your true desires come to the surface because a lot of our desires are not coming from the truth of what we really want deep down inside. They're coming from trying to prove, prove maybe something to ourselves, maybe prove something to other people. But the more that we like ourselves, the more we don't need to prove. And then that means the things that we're super ambitious about are the things we genuinely want to be ambitious about because we care about those things. We find joy and meaning and satisfaction in those things. So 
liking yourself either way, in my mind, is just such a gift that you can give to yourself. And as with all of the things on this list, it's not something that you either know how to do or don't know how to do. It's not something that you have to get good at right away. It's just something that you chip away at one day at a time, something that you get better and better at every single day. That brings us to the end of this episode and the end of season five. Season five and 2021 was a transformational year for me. It was the year that my coaching business came into existence. It was the year that I left my corporate job. It was the year that I deepened my understanding of what it means to grow powerful and build confidence. And it was a year that I watched so many of you, both the women in this community and the women who I work with one-on-one, I watched you grow and accomplish things that you didn't even think were possible for you. And I have been so delighted by what 2021 has offered to me and to so many of you. And I just get chills, chills, thinking about what we might find in 2022. I feel so excited about it. Season six of the podcast will be starting in January. So definitely continue to tune in. I will be kicking off season six and kicking off 2022 with an episode to help you think about how to get the most out of the year ahead, the most professional growth, the most growth in your confidence. And I am so looking forward to catching you next year. If you want to add yourself to my newsletter, I will put the link below. If you join around the time this episode is out, you'll probably get the newsletter with my 10 learnings on confidence in it. And if you want 2022 to be the year that you take your professional growth to the next level and you start to achieve some of the big goals that you've been thinking about and chewing on, I would love to see if I can support you in making that happen. And I invite you to check out my website. You can head over to jessicasitcoaching.com slash coaching to learn more about and apply to work with me one-on-one. I feel so excited to close out this season. I usually get really sad about endings because I'm really nostalgic and really sensitive and really sentimental. So I usually get really upset (laughs) when things are coming to an end, but I don't feel that way because I really feel like we're on the precipice of a new beginning. And that sounds like another bumper sticker, but it doesn't feel bumper stickery to me. It just feels true. And so I am so excited to see what my 10 lessons are going to be a year from now in 2022. I feel so excited having no idea what they are and no possible way to predict. And I feel so excited that you might not know what your lessons are going to be and what your growth is going to look like either. And that is such a beautiful thing because the growth that we are all set to experience is probably going to be bigger than we could possibly imagine. 
So I will leave you with that. I hope you have a beautiful holiday. I hope you get so much rest and eat so many delicious things and feel so cozy. And if you have pets there, you know, hopefully you have all the snuggles with them over the holidays and over this downtime. And I will catch you in season six in 2022. All my love. And I will talk to you soon.